Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Ian Crosby. Ian is the CEO of Bench Accounting. Bench is an outsourced bookkeeping firm that focuses on delivering efficient and affordable bookkeeping to businesses through the use of technology and actual human people. So with that, here's my interview with Ian. Welcome, Ian. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure, man. Look forward to chatting about uh, all the bookkeeping things. Excellent. Well, you know, oh, wow, you really sold my audience on how thrilling this one's going to be. So, so, so uh, Ian Crosby of Bench Accounting, tell us about Bench. Bench is a place where you go if you are an entrepreneur, small business owner, and you want to make sure that someone is going to handle your accounting. It's going to be done well, and you don't want to have to worry about it. You just want to be able to hand it off to someone and have it done at a price that's really reasonable and affordable. So basically what every entrepreneur wants. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have to worry about if the person who did it is going to do it right or if they're going to let me know if there's a thing that needs to happen so that, you know, my accounting doesn't go on fire. Or if they do the same thing the same, the same way twice. Yes, exactly. And like, how about they just talk to my tax accountant and my, my taxes get filed and I don't have to like be playing a game of broken telephone. Yeah. Well, very, very core and unfortunately um, poorly delivered service in the case of most businesses. So yeah, before sure. we get into, uh, into how you solve this problem for them, let's uh, take a, just take a st- stroll down memory lane here. You can tell me about what led you to start this company altogether. Yeah, I was a bookkeeper in college. That's how I paid my tuition. And I just got this firsthand exposure to like, how is hiring me? I'm a 19-year-old, like second-year business student. How is hiring me your best solution to this problem. <laughs> How's it on a place? It's, you can it's just, so sad because that is not a bad idea because you've at least had a couple of accounting classes. Yeah. And it's like, how's it on a place you can just go online and give me your credit card and you're going to get like perfect accounting and get take, getting taken care of. Like there's just not an option. It's like you're hunting through these sites. And at the time, like all these bookkeeper sites looked like they were from like 1997, the floating text across the screen. You're like, how is this? I want to give you my money and I've got this business critical thing. How has no one done this? You know? And I graduated from university and went to work for, you know, a couple of years in management consulting. And I just, because that's what you're supposed to do after business school, you know, get and the high paying uh, job, do, the, do, do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And after two years, I was just like, I still don't understand why no one has done that. Like, it, I just have to go, like, either there's a massive opportunity here that no one has seen and just gone totally overlooked, or my business intuition is completely off and I'm completely out to lunch in business and I'd rather know that at 24. So I'm just going to go try this thing. And yep. we started asking people if I could do their bookkeeping. And they said, okay. <laughs> sure. You want to take it off my hands and knock yourself out. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So basically from there on, you, you basically created this platform. So tell me what the experience is like for the consumer who wants to have their business um, bookkeeping handled by you. Yeah. So the first thing is you just go to our site, bench.co. That's B-E-N-C-H dot C-O. And you know, sign up, put in your phone number and someone will give you a call and talk to you about how you run your business and, you know, what your challenges are and your finances and, you know, exactly what you're looking for. And if we think that we're going to be able to solve your problem for you, we'll say, okay, great. Well, how about we do your last month of bookkeeping for free? And we'll see if, you know, this is actually, you know, you can look at it in details at the job we're going to do for you. And you can see if that's actually going to be helpful for you. You know, one commitment that we have is that what we're doing is actually helping people. Like we're not like, like we have this mission, which is to make a profound difference in people's lives, not to take a profound amount of money from people, <laughs> which, you well, know, there's different than most financial institutions. Okay. I got it. Yeah, right. It's like, but it's not, it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm not happy just taking people's money and like, and there was no better thing out there. So they kind of like had to, which is actually my last job business strategy is really about like, 
how do you make it so people have to give you money and don't have another option even if they're pissed off at you? That's like, that's really like, that's how you get an MBA. that they can't ignore you. Yep. It's like, and, and, you know, something fundamentally working that I'm like, there must be a different way to do business. Like, we must be able to, like, create these institutions that really make a difference in people's lives, right? Like, there's got to be some way to do this. Like, there's got to mm-hmm. be, and the business that works that way, I can't imagine it not being ridiculously successful. Why yeah. would, would not want to work with that, right? You know, and especially when you're talking about, you know, you get to a certain scale, a business is going to have that sort of, that sort of thing in-house. They get to a certain scale before that, they can afford to kind of outsource that to probably the same company that's doing their, their tax planning because the tax plan gets sophisticated. When you start with like even just a simple startup, this is a massive nuisance. And you're asking people who maybe got into it because they understood a trade or they understood coding or they understood, you know, just whatever it is, could be baking. They got into business because they understood that thing. They don't understand accounting. They may have never looked at a book. And this is a massive, massive area of stress for all of them. Yeah, totally. And in Canada, we have this other, like, so we serve both Canada and the U.S. And in Canada, there's this other thing on top of that, GST, which, oh, you know, for your business, you should not be paying that. You should get that back, yep. right? And if you're not following that, that's just money that you're not getting, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're not paying it, right, they'll freeze your accounts. So, yeah, exactly. So how about, you know, someone just make sure that's happening. Not like, hey, sorry, you did the math test wrong, and now you, you know, we're going to shut down your business. <laughs> oh, <God. Yeah. laughs> it's a really silly thing. To have be in your way. Yeah, you it's all just it is just stuff in the way. So yeah. you know, I got to look at your platform file the other day, and I got to say, I've I've looked at and used just about every accounting platform, typically cloud based, because that's the only way to go out there. And I found yours very different. And I I think what it comes down to is your mission is informed your design different than everybody else. Whereas the zeros, the waves of the world, they put the transactions in front of you so that you can reconcile and deal with that as quickly as possible. Because when you're going in there, you're doing the bookkeeping, and that's what the focus is. You start off differently. You start off with like messaging and reporting and just putting information in front of people. Mm-hmm. I thought that was much cleaner, simpler, and straightforward. So can you speak to the, to the digital experience and how you're leveraging technology to provide the service? Yeah. I mean, what we started from is I want you to get your problem solved. And it shouldn't matter if it's technology or people or magic or whatever the hell has to happen. You shouldn't have to think about it. So the first thing we put in front of you is messages where we're just going to talk to you if anything needs to happen. Right. And it's, it's a lot different from like a bank where like they are going to try to hide their like phone number. So you can't call them because that'll save them, you know, a few points of margin on customer yeah. service costs. Hopefully the angry people will just go away and not talk to us. This is like going through this call tree labyrinth. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure if you've ever tried to call QuickBooks. It's very much the same kind of you know, <laughs> treatment. And this is like, Hey, we're talking to you. We're engaging this conversation and like, please talk to me because my goal here is that your problem is really solved. So how about we talk about it? And then on the other side, it's, oh, yeah, here's your reports out the other end. And there's no, why should we be asking you to look at the, the debits and credits are right? That's our job. We're actually the only accounting software where you can't actually change the numbers in the software because we did it right. So the client can't screw it up. Yeah, it's yeah. literally, I mean, actually at the beginning, like at the very beginning, we had the ability to edit the numbers. And then a few people changed it <laughs> and their numbers are wrong. And then they're upset their numbers are wrong. And, you know, let's, let's get real. We put the button in there that let them screw it up. Right. Yeah. So, we so it's their fault, but it's your fault for allowing that functionality in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we take responsibility that your books are right. The way that I take responsibility, my daughter doesn't run out in the street. Right. <laughs> it's not like, I'm like, well, you should have followed the instructions. Guess you're going to get hit by a car now. You know, it's like, no, you're just, we're going to make sure that you're taken care of. Right. And yeah. like, I'm going to explain it to you and I'm not going to let you run out in the street and get hit by a car. Cause this is my 
my purpose on this team is to make sure that you are powerful in the area of your finances. You're not very powerful. You've been run over. <laughs> Fantastic. So, and let's be clear here. What the service your core service you're providing is first and foremost, bookkeep. We're not looking for, you're not providing advanced tax planning, which puts you in an interesting position because it's, you know, bookkeeping is the thing that accounting firms don't want to do, right? It's the, what they see as low value transactional thing that they don't want to, they can't build their normal rate for. So that puts you in a unique position because, you know, you've managed to build this referral program that other professionals can refer out to you. Can you speak to the strength of that and how that's working out for you? Yeah. So we're committed that people are powerful in their finances and we don't do everything. We have this core foundation, which is everything else is going to be screwed up if your bookkeeping is wrong. Like if your financial statements are wrong, if your balance sheet is wrong, if you know, those transactions just don't match up to what's in your bank, if they're inaccurate, there's not a lot of other stuff. You can't you know, try doing tax planning on top of that. So people having access to just not having to worry that the basic numbers are right and then being able to like layer on other services on top is, you know, the interesting thing is like, People tend to pay more for bookkeeping than they pay for all those other called like value add services just because the number of pure labor hours need to go into mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah, but so, most of that, I mean, in, in fairness, a lot of that, I still, there's a couple of areas of what we'll call brute force type work that I'm always shocked and amazed that people have just not flocked like desperately to better yeah. solutions, right? Like, yeah. I mean, every accounting software now, including yours is my understanding, you can match copies, pictures of receipts taken on your phone with the bank transaction that gets sucked in via data aggregation. And you know, it's a click to reference that and you can build rules around that. And the number of companies that go into that, I still see them using QuickBooks desktop with mm -hmm. no links and <laughs> manually inputting statements. And I just, you know, literally facepalm myself. I'm like, you need to stop this. Like, this is not of value to anyone. Yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of companies do is they focus so much on like, we're going to revolutionize this one little piece of the puzzle, right? We're going to revolutionize, yeah, like the snapping of receipts or we're going to revolutionize this thing and not thinking like, okay, but globally, holistically, how does all this stuff need to come together? Yeah. The client's still going to screw it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's, you know, like then hire a bookkeeper and they'll, someone has to make sure like who knows that all find that bookkeeper. Right. And yeah, what should the know. steps even be? Who's going to take accountability of like signing off that this stuff is actually accurate or the grand frustration of you switch bookkeepers and the old bookkeeper used to, just, you know, used to basically itemize something one way and then the new one yeah. does it a different way. And yeah. then, you know, you flip it a third time, next thing you know, the, the data is just all garbage because you can't yeah. compare year to year. Yeah. And just, you know, they're not part of the system. So yeah. when they leave and like every bookkeeper, eventually they're going to leave. Even your bench bookkeeper will leave. But the advantage is when, you know, your bench bookkeeper leaves, another bench bookkeeper comes in and they do it exactly the same way. And it's a seamless transition, right? Because yeah, one totally. inevitability is that like, there's not one human being who's going to be your bookkeeper for the rest of your life. This doesn't matter who you hire. That's the way it's going to be. Yeah. So we better build a system that's resilient to that, right? And that's part of the like, you got to take responsibility for your overall outcome, right? Not yeah. until this thing that's kind of hard happens. And hey, we both understand that, well, you know, things happen. And sometimes your good books can be wrong. You know, like, oh, it's yeah. going to be awesome. This you know, is my best guess. Over, yeah. you know? It's like, no, how about someone actually take responsibility that like no matter what is taken care of? So what we built from, like there were a few foundational things. Like you were talking about, oh yeah, there's this thing we started with and it made us build out in a very different direction. So the things we started with are, number one, the books just have to be right. And so yeah, got to create a definition of what right books are. Mm -hmm. And we have to be opinionated about that, right? Not like, hey, would you like to just do the bookkeeping this way or this way? It's like, yeah. no, we're, we're opinionated about what the right way is and we're going to standardize. And that way we can tell, we can run tests so that even if, you know, humans in, internally are infallible, right? Bench bookkeepers are not infallible. So how do you make yeah. sure the bench books are perfect? It's okay, well, 
you know, like pilots on airlines are fallible. How do we make sure that the planes don't crash? You know, like you're taking off from San Francisco. Contingencies. It's not like, oh, I hope the pilot's smart so we don't crash. It's like, no, how about there have been zero fatal air accidents on a major domestic airliner in the last 10 years, right? How do yeah, you get no, don't jinx it, man. Don't jinx it. Um. <laughs> well, no, this is actually like, I mean, yeah. airlines are shitty in all kinds of other areas. But, but like, safety is the one thing that they absolutely will destroy the reputation if they're not careful, right? Yeah, and, and, right. and they've actually like, given them a lot of credit. Like, that's like the amount of engineering and the amount of like thought that has to go into like think of how many things that need to go into one plane landing safely one time. <laughs> and the standardization. You ever read um, what's every the time, right? You ever read the the checklist manifesto? I have not. So it's worth a read. It talks about how to reduce cognitive load by basically creating checklists that are mission critical and not and there's no fluff. Yeah. And they cite the airline industry specifically as the most successful case study of this because when you, you know there's pre-flight checklists, there's pre-landing checklists, there's in-flight checklists and you know they even use the, the example of the miracle on the Hudson and Sully even said like I'm getting all this credit but all I did was I actually followed the steps. And it's true. You, know, you can basically, you can create, you can devise the most foolproof system you can, like possible. But if people don't go down that checklist, and that checklist isn't as user-friendly as possible and simple as possible, you're introducing room for error. So very much you should give it a read. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll be like, yes, I believe in this exactly. <laughs> and the other thing is like, if you do the checklist perfectly and the plane still crashes, your checklist yeah. is crap. <laughs> That's you That's know? true. So how do you make sure? What do you mean, nosedive? Yeah, no. How do you even know it's the right checklist, right? So we had yeah. to build backwards from what's the outcome. Exactly. And you know, then see some things go wrong and then be like, okay, so we've got to think about this differently and have the kind of culture where someone's books are wrong. It's like a five alarm fire here. It's not like, oh, well, we messed that one. Better luck next time, guys. It's like, no, we've got commitment that anytime this goes wrong, it's like, we got to identify the source of that problem and like get to the root cause, like do a five wise analysis, like that it's commonly yeah. done engineering organizations. I was going to say, so you're like six signaling the entire uh, structure yeah. of, of, of the bookkeeping. Yeah, exactly. Which just, you know, no one's done before. The second thing we did was we started with fixed price. And the reason we do fixed price is because of the culture it sets up and the incentives it gives the entire organization. You know, like when you're, when you're a bigger company and you're charging by the hour, well, your incentive is how do I find more hours to charge? That's the opposite of efficiency. How we set up our culture is we're charging you this fixed amount of money. If you're in Canada, it starts at $145 a month. And no matter how long it takes us, that's what we're charging you. So we better be efficient. That's on us. And the more efficient we can get, the more money we can make. So that's, you know, it's on us. It's not like, oh, well, I can charge it by the hour. Hope I'm efficient. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell me how much it's going to cost? Mm, yeah. If I estimate a certain number of hours, hours and I will send you the bill regardless of what it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and you have no control or accountability. Once I do the hours, so you got to pay for it. So yeah. hope I don't mess up. And those two things together have built this culture of, you know, something that can truly handle. I mean, this is why we're the biggest bookkeeping service in the world already. Yeah. Is, and I mean, you guys have had some successful fundraisers too, which I remember when I saw, I can't remember what the last one was, but it was a sizable one. From when I saw it, I thought to myself, you guys just keep books. There's something going on here. Right? A lot of people need that and no one's really yeah. taking responsibility on a massive scale that is done right. Yeah, um, you know, it's, 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 the, it's a dirty part of accounting and you got your hands dirty and yeah. not the glamorous part, which is the higher, which is the higher margin stuff that people wanted to focus on, yeah. but it's worked well. And you know, I'm happy to say I did send, I did refer my first client over to you and he was thoroughly impressed. So that should hopefully continue a stream oh, wow. of people coming your way. <laughs> Good stuff. Also, I mean, one of the things I also like you did was you gave us the option of, uh, I mean, there's a referral fee that's paid to the advisor if they choose to, 
Or if I don't want to deal with conflicts of interest, I can just waive it and pass on the savings to the clients. So yeah. I appreciate that because I hate when they're like, no, 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 we can't do that because make other people look bad. Well, I don't care what other people look like. I you know, yeah. care about what's valuable to my relationship with my clients. So. Yeah, totally. Well and the reason we're flexible on that is, you know, some people are like, okay, well, I'm already, someone's already paying me money and this is part of my overall, I'm taking yeah. responsibility for you. Some other people are like, well, I'm a blogger and all I do all day is talk about stuff and I want to talk about stuff I love and be able to get paid for that. That's so fair. Yeah. We have both models, but it's, you know, it's got a fit for marketing monetization. It makes sense. So yes. how much of this at this stage of the bookkeeping at this stage is basically hands-on versus automated? Like how would you, you know, if you look at all the transactions coming in, how many do, does the average company to have manually reviewed or handled? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The way that we think about it is how many clients or how many months of bookkeeping can one person handle in a month? And you have that number going up over time. Because like when you look at, like there's almost no sort of like correlation you can point to between, like you look at how a bench bookkeeper does things and how a QuickBooks bookkeeper does things. And it's like, the flow is completely different. So it's hard to put a percentage on yeah. like, well, is this percent automated? Because it's just a completely different process to begin with, right? And it's like, I mean, in one way you could look at it, it's, you know, we only do 2%. In another way you look at it, it's like, yeah, but for the things that are higher risk, you need to look at 80% of them, right? So the first thing that happens is, you know, we have a machine learning system that flags like what's which ones are highly likely to be problematic and need to get flagged in the first place. And your 20th Starbucks expense, you know, human doesn't need to look at that one, right? <laughs> so it's like first thing is even like, you know, identifying which ones would need to get looked at in the first place. But then there's all these other things like working with your payroll, working with your merchant accounts, pulling all that information in that, you know, gets 100% reviewed. So it just depends on like the mix of how your business is set up, what the accounts are. And really that's kind of our problem, right? Like people shouldn't have to worry about what's yeah. cost on the back end. But I mean, for um, the magic word there, you said machine learning. I mean, like you're, you're learning. I mean, two things you have is you have the incentive structure such that you need to be efficient because you cannot spend a permanent and an infinite number of hours on these things. Otherwise you'll go bankrupt. So you have to create efficiency. And as you said, you know, your machines are learning at the same time you are essentially yeah. to really this world should all be about some exception management, not about every routine gets, gets basically manhandled. It doesn't yeah. make sense. So, yeah. Well, um, there's other things where it's like, so take, for example, like when someone comes in, we're going to do their bookkeeping, even if they're working with some bank that doesn't work well with bank connect technologies, right? Like, um, like it's worth everyone in Canada. Canada. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're looking, well, actually Canada is pretty good at this point, but if you know, it's like Kansas state bank or something, you know, some oh, like yeah. community bank that Roscoe's chicken and banking in the States. Yep. Why do we need to work with transaction aggregators? Right. We, we have, have two branches. Or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That should be our problem, not yours. And it doesn't really make sense to like go and have an engineer automate how to read their PDFs that they send out, right? At that point, it's like, yeah, there's some things that should just be manually handled because they're, it's going to cost you way more in engineering hours than just paying people to go do it manually, you know? So it's like, how do you set up a system where the company identifies which things should even be automated in the first place, which things make sense, right? And like, if it doesn't have an impact on safety and it's more cost to automate than just to do it in the first place, you know, don't automate it. Just, I got it. One thing that we ran into early is like, engineers want to like automate every workflow and there's just too many you can't, you'll, you'll never get through because people are starting new companies and new banks all the time right like there's you know a new firm that's doing like invoicing factoring and you know it's like built in that like they'll do the collections when you send yeah. it out and like brand new startup and you know I get it when you're a startup the first thing you're not thinking about is how does the reporting need to be set up so a bookkeeper can read it <laughs> no. but the reporting just doesn't even have the numbers that would tell you how much you know it's like okay so we have to get on the phone with like these guys 
and be talking to them about like, guys, here's what a bookkeeper needs to see. Or, or and I know that everyone's a problem in the payroll sphere. Yes, I'm well aware. You know, it's like part of it is we're going to take responsibility for, you know, you shouldn't have to care how mature the service providers or the, you know, tools you're choosing to use are. We'll go and like talk to them and be like, guys, here's how you need to do. And because, you know, we're, I guess, a large bookkeeping service, like we can talk to them and be like, guys, this is not just like Joe Bookkeeper likes opinion here. Like this is what everyone is going to be asking you for. You can you kind of take your advice. We'll help you build out for all bookkeepers, right? Because this is what we're all going to have to see. Good. Well, I'm impressed. So we are coming up close to half an hour already. So that's, that's been quick and it's been exciting. So a couple, a couple of questions I always end up with and uh, just basically to get you thinking. If you had one wish as the one thing you could change in your industry, your company, whatever it might be, what would that be? Well, I mean, right now I wish that there wasn't a shutdown so that, you know, in, in the US, oh. the IRS wasn't like so far behind and everything and people could actually get, it's going to cost small businesses a lot because they're going to have to oh, hire professionals. Because the IRS just can't, like, they haven't trained the people to answer the questions, and yet people's taxes are still due, right? So that's a just, yeah, like... that's one thing I hadn't thought about. Oh, that's yeah. brutal. Like, it's going to just cost a lot of small business owners a lot of money to have to hire, like, pay someone that the, to answer questions the IRS should be able to answer for free for no fault of their own. Oh. So I wish that was different. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's a way to steer away from the political side of that argument. <laughs> <laughs> shutdown is a shutdown, man. Yeah, it is. doesn't matter which side caused it. So what would you say the biggest challenges were in building this company to where you are today? It was really just a, a lot of learning. Like there's a lot of things that we had to do that are different from a call it like the typical way you have to build a software business. So a lot of things that like people couldn't teach us, like no one has gone out and built with the kind of philosophy that we have around this kind of space around like people tend to be like the thing of automation is how do we get, how do we remove humans? And that doesn't work because then who's going to take responsibility that the problem is actually solved. What we need is how do I augment humans so that we can get the problem solved faster and better. And yes, yeah, like software people tend to think of like, Oh, well don't have people. People are costly and you can't scale them. Like this is this thing I would constantly hear. Like when I was in, an incubator, tech stars, you know, when I was talking to VCs, you can't scale people, you can't scale people. And it's like, well, no one's told Walmart who has 2 million employees, <laughs> you know, like the number one employer in like 40 states. Yeah. It's like, Walmart, you can't scale. Stop doing that. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, but it's not even, but is it really about scaling people? Isn't it about like, as we said, like you're scaling people, but you're scaling more efficient people than yeah. the competition, right? So even if that's a 20, 30, 40% bump, that is a huge, huge advantage over the next guy. Yeah. I mean, we focus so much on that kind of like, I would call it like surface level efficiency, mm -hmm. but not like, okay, but what does it really take that our 300th bookkeeper, when they get on the phone with a customer, they really give a crap about solving your problem and they're going to do what it takes and that, you know, they're going to sit with you. And like, if you have a question, they're really going to listen and really answer. Like that has to be done really, really well. You can't just like gloss over that, which in a lot of software businesses, it's like, ah, don't worry about that part that, ah, you just throw money at that problem. And yeah. that's why it doesn't scale because they're just throwing money at the problem and not actually diving deep into like, yeah. how do you really connect people to purpose in such a way that they care yeah. about solving a problem for human beings? You know, it's a massive cultural issue, man. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's the argument for why corporate culture exists and is important. It's because you can worry about that when you're hiring your 10th, 11th, 12th bookkeeper, but as you said, when you get to 300, you can't do that. Other people have to do that for you, right? And if you don't, yeah. if that culture is not instilled and the right people aren't brought in, then you're not going to get that kind of level of engagement. So as soon as you have hired two people, the majority of human beings in your business are not you. 
<laughs> so you're going to have to figure out how to make them awesome. You know, <laughs> simple math dictates. Yes. All right. And uh, the wrap up question I ask everyone, which is, uh, and you're an excited, you're easily an excitable guy. Uh, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on your company, the industry in general? What is it? What is it that gets you up to work every day? I guess what gets me up to work is we're actually just solving a problem for people that hasn't been solved before. Like, I just feel like the world will be a different way for us having been here. There's, there's some kind of point to like, I'm actually making a contribution and we're kind of figuring things out that haven't been figured out before. And that's really the reason I would stop is because I'm like, well, if I stopped, it would actually matter to a lot of people, <laughs> you know, yeah, true. and there's a lot more people that don't even know about us yet, or you know, haven't heard about us that they're going to have a totally different experience of life because they came across us. And yeah, that's what really, you know, and then I work back from there, but okay, but how do I make that actually happen? Like there's the hand where you'd be like, oh, yay, amazingness, mission, right? Then there's like, okay, but how do I actually know, you know, like scientifically, how do I objectively know that I actually made a difference for you? So what excites me is putting together surveys that are like no other company would ask the kind of questions. You know, okay. I want to ask questions like, did Bench make a profound difference in the quality of your life? Like Starbucks won't ask, ask you that question, right? Because <laughs> it's like, well... I guess this corner was closer than the next one. Hey, my best friend works at Starbucks. I can get them located wherever I want. Okay. So it's yeah. not a good picture. Yeah. Like I wouldn't like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I like my coffee, but I wouldn't say that Starbucks made a profound difference in the quality of my life. I, well, I often joke around. It's funny. Starbucks is when I, in my day job as a financial planner. I often tell clients like this isn't about judgment about where your money's going. I may think that you're going to Starbucks on a daily basis is a foolish spending of money. However, you may think it's the only thing that keeps you sane in your job with your, with your boss you don't like and your three kids who are driving you mad, right? So there you go. <laughs> so I just held up a coffee cup. But uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, so for some people, it sounds hilarious, but yes, bookkeeping can be. And the best types of businesses to me are the ones that reduce pain in people's lives at a reasonable, at a price that frankly is, in, is a minor drop in the bucket compared to the pain that's relieved. And I think you've kind of hit that nice Venn diagram. Yeah, I guess also really excites me is like the way people talk about bench. People are like, bench changed my life. And it's like, people don't talk about bookkeepers that way in the real world. You know, it's like, bookkeepers changed my life. What the hell do they do? You yeah. know? I mean, I don't know if you get those, I don't know if you see you get the same CPA commercials that we've been getting in, in, uh, in, in Ontario. But, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, like, and, and those of you in, in the U.S. have been seeing this. Like, they, the, C, the CPA Association has been paying for these commercials where, like, the accountants are, like, developing Bitcoin and like yeah. you know, creating new technologies and building buildings. And it's just like, that is not accounting. No one's ever <laughs> thought that that was the value of accounting. And no, you're not revolutionizing people's lives to that degree, but you know, you may, you know, on, on some level, you're definitely helping making that better. Yeah. What's interesting is like, why can't they just embrace what they do that actually does make a difference? Why do they have to make it into something different? Because the general populace thinks it's boring. It's the same reason why, you know, <laughs> finance channels don't talk about financial planning for more, longer than 10 minutes. They talk yeah. about what stock is hot, right? It's, it's whatever is exciting. Well, here's, here's what I find, right? It's like anything can be boring or anything can be exciting. Like take a firefighter, right? Imagine, yeah. so there's this firefighter fire truck pulls up to a burning house and he's sitting there going like, oh, this job sucks. Every day I wake up, I'm moving water from point A to point B. <laughs> oh, right. who cares about moving water? What's the point? Oh, it's so boring. Oh, different hose. And like, meanwhile, there's a person in the house. It really matters to them if you put yeah. the water in their house, man. Like, and that's why firefighters don't do that. They're like, time to make a difference for a human being now. Time to save them from the burning house. Oh, it might get hot, but I don't care because I'm here to make a difference. And, you know, if you can't make that connection to why what you're doing actually 
makes a difference to another human yeah. being, then yeah, it's going to feel boring. But you know, I mean, you think of bookkeeping. Like, how about maybe search of how you can do that, and then get really yeah. connected to it and be incredible at it. You know, and I get it. I mean, like bookkeeping sounds like a like a even a, a boring word, but you're enabling people to properly run their businesses, feed their families, grow their businesses, get insight into what's actually going on with their business, supposed to just guessing, make strategic decisions. Those are all incredibly valuable things, and I often. I get frustrated when I have clients who look at accountants or tax planning as, as a cost center as opposed to an actual resource. It's like you don't appreciate or respect the level of information you're being given, or maybe it's just the person you're with isn't inspiring enough to actually make you understand it. But frankly, as I've always said, the proper bookkeeping and proper accounting are worth every penny you pay for. So yeah. that's yeah. my endorsement. Part of it is, you know, it could be the bookkeeper because sometimes, imagine that firefighter pulls up, right? And they're like so... Oh, it's about the water, moving the water. They hose the water onto the wrong house or in the wrong way. They don't actually put the fire out. You didn't make a difference for anyone because they thought that it was about moving the water or like about debits and credits and like not actually taking the time to really connect with, okay, how, how can I really make a difference? Like, Oh, maybe I need to put the fire out and do whatever it takes. Maybe it's not going to take water. Maybe you have to run in with an ax because it's not about the water at all. Right. It's interesting. That's, that's something that I think is prevalent in the accounting community. I mean, I know plenty of good strategic accounts. But I also know the number of times I talk about tax planning strategies involving corporations, the clients, and they're like, why has my account never actually told me about this? And it's like, yeah. well, there's different types of accounts. There are those who provide strategic advice and actually you know, want to better you. And there's those who see their job as filing your taxes. Mm-hmm. If you have the latter, you need the former. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. At least one person has to make sure the water's going in the house. <laughs> exactly. right? You need at least one person who's like, uh, guys, the hose is not no, no, no. over here. The one that's not hot, that's not the one you're spraying. Yeah, up. exactly. Uh, anyway. One person is exponentially better than zero people. You need at least that one person. <laughs> one person. <laughs> that is correct. Well, Ian, this has been great, and I thank you for it. I'm sure um, you're going to get uh, hopefully a lot of traffic on the site after this because I think a lot of people are looking for this solution. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So that was my interview with Ian Crosby of Bench Accounting. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jason Ferrer. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.